It is 2953 of the Third Age. Erebor has been reclaimed. Saron has fled from Mirkwood into Mordor to begin his pursuit for the One Dream. And the last meeting of the White Council has tasked Gildor and Glorian with assembling a fellowship to stop Umbarian pirates from assembling ancient artifacts from a Second Age prophecy. Join the players of this Adventures of Middle-Earth Dungeons and Dragons campaign as they unravel the mysteries of the prophecy. Welcome to Arda in part one of the Inglorian Bastards trilogy, Search for Tor Arasia. All right, welcome everybody to episode 38 of the Inglorian Bastards campaign. Uh, with us today, we have Jerry Snook, the community manager from Standing Stone Games, and Chris Pearson, the lead world builder and lore coordinator, <laughs> from, also from Standing Stone Games. So welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having us here. Great. Um, so these guys are local Massachusetts people like like me. Now everybody in the world knows where I'm podcasting from. Um, and I, I, you know, as everybody knows at this point, I have a few questions uh, to ask our guests. Um, generally, they revolve around either Dungeons and Dragons or Tolkien. Um, and obviously, um, uh, for the for the interview with Jacob Rogers and, and for these guys, we're going to be asking specifically about the products that they've been instrumental in creating. Um, and in this case, this is Lord of the Rings Online. Um, Woo hoo! I, I wanted some fanfare, like drum roll. Expected it in the background. <laughs> Um, so, so I guess we'll start, um, with either of you, you guys can kind of chime in as you want to. Um, but I, but I am curious about the company standing stone game. So if you give us a little history of, of, of the company, um, where you're located and anything you want to talk about. Sure. Uh, the history is actually pretty long and involves, you know, people going back into the nineties, essentially, uh, which I can't personally speak to, oh, I <laughs> but you, you can to quite some extent here, uh, largely the elevator pitch, I guess would say is that the Lord of the Rings online was born out of middle earth online. Uh, and that was born out of a desire from a group of, uh, Brown, uh, university and other people back in the nineties to really just kind of make it happen. Well, yeah, I mean, Tur Turbine, which was the company that uh, that Standing Stone spun off of in the end of 96? In 96, yeah, 2016, sorry. Yep. 96. <laughs> I started it there in 96. Um, it was founded in Rhode Island by, like, like Jerry said, a bunch of Brown students primarily uh, in 1994, and not long after moved to uh, to Massachusetts, to Westwood, Massachusetts, uh, which is where it was when I joined it. And uh, we did uh, our our first project was one of the first massively multiplayer online games, uh, Asheron's Call, uh, which ran for a good, I want to say, 13 years? No, it was way more way than more that. Than AC that. was about 20, right? Uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't? I guess it, it might have close. been. Yeah, it might have been close to 20 years, yeah. uh, starting in... Uh, Starting in 1999, I think. Is what okay, so that, yeah, that would have been about 16, 16 years. Yeah, that's how, that sounds more like it. Yep. So this is um, a long and storied history here. This is yeah. great. Yeah, it's really part of that early crop of kind of um, vanguard online video games, you know, along with, you know, say your Ultimas and EverQuests and things like that. Asheron's yeah. Call, um, you know, those two in particular predated us, but it was part of that same wave yeah. that kind of hit the scene. Yeah, I mean, EQ only predated us by about six months, I think. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we were definitely part of the first, the first wave of trying to figure out how these things even 
worked. Uh, and then after Asheron's Call, we did Asheron's Call 2. And then we sort of, uh, like, we've been looking around for other properties to, to, to work with. Asheron's Call had been our own thing. And uh, we had, we, it was the Vivendi Universal at the time yeah. was the was the, the rights holder or the, 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 the game publisher for, um, for Lord of the Rings-based stuff. And uh, we wound up working with them uh, to make what it started out as Middle Earth Online, and then it's, it, it changed a few times. Uh, Vivendi moved on, and it, and we, we primarily work with the Saul Zantz company, who are the rights holders yeah. for the uh, for, for 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 media for uh, based on Lord yeah. of the Rings and the Hobbit, uh, and we developed Lord of the Rings Online based on that, and it came out in '97. And we also, uh, at the same time, have been doing... Uh, 2007. Sorry, 2007. <laughs> what, what decade is it? Yeah. No, it's understand. But they, it, we exactly right. So, yeah. But, I mean, it, it largely just came out of, you know, in the wake of Asheron's Call and Asheron's Call 2, what next? Yeah. You know, you'd already, to some extent, uh, the group there would had proven that they could do that kind of scope. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know... Clearly, your passion, at least to some extent, is Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I mean, my passion, my passion for Tolkien was partly born out of working on the game, frankly, and having to do, really delve into the research on it. Uh, uh, I mean, I'd read it a few times uh, and uh, had been through a few of the uh, a few of the the, the uh, supplemental texts, but uh, I didn't really become enmeshed in Tolkien to the like obscene extent that I am now uh, until. You know, basically, I had to do it for my job. Um, can I ask? And, can and we also tur- uh, turbine and later standing stone after we uh, after we spun off um, from turbine uh, also do Dungeons and Dragons online. That's right. Time, That's right. So. Yeah. Well, I, it's I, really interesting to see, you know, a studio of, you know, at the, let's say in the kind of late '90s to early 2000s time, be able to secure two big IP licenses mm-hmm. like that, and it, and be able to deliver in a way that, you know, one of our goals for as long as we've been around is to do our best to do it right on this kind of stuff, right? On on both Dungeons and Dragons and Lord of the Rings, you know. Uh, we've always wanted to be as authentic as we can. And so the ability to, to it's a mix of, what do they call it? Mix of luck and skill and planning and execution. Yes. So. Well, can I can I ask you? Um, you mentioned you know getting really immersed into into the world of Tolkien and, and wanting to do it right, and and I th- I think you know just based on my use of your materials uh, and in our campaign, the maps and and uh, the place names and the people names, uh, it's just really well done. And um, I, I wonder, sort of, you know, for for people that aren't behind the curtain. What is that like, and and what kind of what kind of freedom do you have to fill in the whole? Because that I think that's one of the things that Tolkien did, did so well is he he left these these gaps in the lore and the histories and the mythologies, and you know that left us wondering, right? Well, where are the Antwives? Like, where did the Hobbits come from? Like, you know, what happened to that sword after you know the fall of Gondol? You know, all, all of those things, like. How, how much license do you have, and, and where do you get your ideas? Well, uh, I, I'll, I can check this. Uh, the, the, 
we have a fair bit of license to uh, to to uh, um, expound, uh, extrapolate. That's the word I'm looking for. To extrapolate uh, from the texts, uh, specifically from Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, because of rights issues, stuff like the Silmarillion and Unfinished Tales is mm-hmm. not part of our purview. So we have to be careful not to intrude on that. Uh, but aside from that, and having to and 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 respecting just the the spirit and the themes of the work uh, of, of Tolkien's work, uh, we have fairly free reign uh, to to uh, to, to uh, hang our own stuff on it. Um, and it's you know we so there's huge blank areas on the maps that we've been able to to, to and we're continuing to, to fill in uh, both both entire areas and then filling in details in places that the uh, that the fellowship uh, did not necessarily directly interact with. And one of the things we've tried to do, even when doing that, is <clears throat> you know stay stay within the scope of the writing when we can and things like yes. that too. So you know you don't see all of a sudden you know pink elephants and things well, like yeah. that that you yeah. might see. <laughs> I, I only bring that up because you know it's it we even though we are in some ways charting our own course, we also make sure that the players are experiencing. Kind of the core story, maybe not as you're not playing Aragorn, you're not playing Gandalf, but you're you're experiencing the events uh, with your own character, just not directly standing next to these people for yeah. the most part. Yeah, yeah. we we should definitely try to to bump up against the books yeah. uh, and the character uh, and the characters and locations from the books uh, wherever we can. But also, like yeah. you know, bringing in yeah. all of the you know, who are the other rangers in the Great Company? Right, right. Alberad, we never got any names <laughs> in the book. That's uh, right. you know, who are the um, who, who you know, who are, are the other commanders in Sauron's armies? Think, you know, what what you know, where where are all these Rohirrim that we hear the names of when they're after they're killed at the Battle of Helen? Or what what, what was their deal? You know, yeah. so you know, the, he both he both leaves little hooks. That you can like, that you can flesh out, and he leaves just expanses that you can that that you get to color in as well. And you mentioned names on the on the maps. You know, that's that's a large you know, cracking the whole naming thing in Tolkien was a huge part of uh, of 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 being able to do this. You know, and it's been really helpful that around the time that we started developing it, the the, the community, the linguistic community for uh, for for. Tolkien invented languages really started to flourish, uh, and the resources that are available now for doing, you know, for doing Sindarin are just you know, ridiculous compared to what they were back when uh, back when we started. Uh, and uh, and there's, you know, I have people that I know online who've been able have been able to help me with Kuzdul and with uh, I've had some stuff translated into Old English for the Rohirrim and into and and you know being and like Gothic for the for the for the for the wood folk and you know all these all the other and then being able to pull in other languages for cultures that he barely you know touches on linguistically but being able to figure out what their approximate equivalent would be in the real world like for the for the Dunlendings, you know, they're very. They, we have one word in their language, but it, it's a kind of a Celtic-sounding word. So, so you know, all the hill folk wound up pulling in different aspects of a bunch of different Celtic languages because their relationship with the with the Rohirrim is kind of similar to how the Celts and the Anglo-Saxons sort of didn't get along uh, in, in in early English history. So, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff like that. We have to think 
you know, we have to think ahead about what, what we're going to do. We can, you know, a lot of fantasy you can, you know, particularly, uh, I don't want to cast aspersions on D&D, but D&D, much more freewheeling when it comes to stuff like that. Right. And, uh, and, and to- whereas Tolkien was, you know, language is his thing. So, you know, that's one of the things that we've tried to, uh, tried to respect. Well, uh, we're, we're going to, you mentioned the Hill Folk, and I'll bring them up again later. This is one of the, sure. re- one of the resources that I used for our campaign early on. Um, but but I, I wanted to, I just wanted to comment that when you can get a name to work, you know, and the, and I use all those resources that you're mentioning, the the, the Elf Dictionary, <laughs> right, online, where yeah, you can yeah. do all the different languages. I mean, when, when a name works and it has meaning, it's just, it's just a... It's a great formula, you know. Do you have Do you have any particular name that you're responsible for that you're super proud of? Like, what, what's your What's the, you know, where Where did the name and the history and the story sort of blend together perfectly for you? Oh boy. Um, well, I mean, recently I've really enjoyed uh, with the working working with Kuzdal in that regard. I find it's a really it's a really evocative different language for you know they, they, they've done so much Sindarin that at this point not not any one Sindarin name really stands out but being able to like come up with uh, with you know this is the hall of Thikilgundu in uh, in the Grey Mountains or uh, or um, well Yarnfast is actually in, in, in Norse because it's the other dwarf language but in in the Iron Hills uh, those 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 have been really fun to, to, to do. I, I've enjoyed a lot of the our more recent villains uh, tend to be on the Black Numenorean side, so being able to work with Adonaiic uh, has been really fun. You know, with the coming up with with names like Dulgabeth, the Black Word, and Uthercor, the uh, the Captain of the Pit, and uh, and all, all these all these very much more guttural sounding names has been uh, has, has been a lot of fun. And so, do you have somebody on your team that works primarily with the languages? Oh, that's or, me. That's I took a I took like an introduction to linguistics course in, in college and so that sort of sparked an, an interest for me and I and I was the only one at the time when we first started with any kind of linguistics training at all. Um, so I you know so immersed myself in all of that. I've been a big fan of old English uh, since since college as well. So so I had, a, I had you know I was I basically became the person who I, I used to joke that I taught myself Sindar and that's not really true. Sorry, <laughs> but uh, but uh, I, I definitely like I you know I read David Salo's book cover to cover his his introduction to Sindar and uh, when it when it first came out I actually read it on my honeymoon which. Ooh. Yeah, well, it's fine. She, my wife, was reading her own thing, um, but uh, it was, uh, you know, like, I just, I just always enjoyed the linguistic end of things, and uh, and it can be pretty intimidating for other people. So I'm sort of, I sort of get, I, I sort of have kept that mantle ever since. Got it. Got or going on how many years now? Well, you you mentioned uh, community um, and the the community of resources that have really sort of taken off, and I, I would guess that the movies helped with that um, in some ways and bastardized it in other ways. <laughs> um, but so talking about the community, um, you know, you know, you have people like me, lowly pod- podcast makers, who who probably contact you regularly um, to to share and to borrow ideas. But have you? Have you noticed any overlap with some of the um, 
you know, the media or the publications of various organizations ha have the people from, you know, I think it's what Netflix or, or uh, Amazon. I think Amazon is producing the, the new the new show coming up. Have, has anyone reached out from from the community um, to sort of draw on your resources? Typically, something that would be a, a corporate endeavor like the Amazon thing, you know, they, they're going to work on their own kind of. Uh, kind of walled garden, so to speak, and we're not directly related to them. I, I would imagine they probably would not reach out to us. I would. Well, I wouldn't. That. I would. You know. At the same time, sure, we have had uh, opportunities. I'm sure over the years where where people have tapped. Uh, they recognize the knowledge on the team and have said, "Hey, can you help me with this or this pronouncer or things like that?" So, yeah. while it may be a less formal relationship than you would see in kind of a business relationship, I'm sure that that's happened at various. For various reasons over the years. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I've done. I, I've personally done some consulting for other games, uh, for instance, that the that we're working with the with the Saul's Ants company. Yeah. Uh, for uh, under their umbrella, um, just to, uh, to to share expertise and you know get their input on things and to tell you know give them advice as well. Um, and but otherwise, I'd say most of our most of the. Um, our uh, interaction with people outside of the outside of our our specific sphere has been with the scholarly community. Uh, you know, why we uh, I don't know if you know Michael Drought. He's a Tolkien scholar who te who who lives in who who lives in the Boston area and he teaches down at Wheaton College. Uh, I became friends with him very early on in the process, and I've involved him uh, from time to time. We do pod or we do webcasts with him and with Corey Olson. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Who I know you're going to be interviewing in the in next month. Uh, and uh, I, I'm often I often bounce ideas off of the two of them to get their input or ask them questions about uh, about things that I ha that I can't quite puzzle out myself. Like you know, why wasn't Boromir married? Or uh, <laughs> you know, the thing, thing, things like you know the, the things like that that uh, that really are interesting. Like almost like the things that it seems like Tolkien either forgot about or neglected on purpose, uh, depending on how you look at it. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, all those existential, really important questions. <laughs> Um, all right, so let's um, let's move uh, back to talking about Lord of the Rings Online, and if you could, um, you know, give, give uh, kind of a high level uh, description of what gameplay is like, and maybe what you know what the what the plot is, and the, or the overarching goal for for the people who might be looking to experience the the game. With MMOs, it's always a little tricky to say what you know what's the the one thing you're supposed to do, right? Because it tends to be enjoy the game is really the, the ultimately what it is. But um, <clears throat> what we tend to find is the Lord of the Rings Online, for the most part, we have flashbacks and things, but for the most part, takes place during the War of the Ring. And we are following uh, the events of that activity through our own characters and places and people, uh, and then coming together at various points to experience things more directly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, primarily you start out as one of, well, I guess now it's six races. Yeah. Uh, initially it was four. Initially it was the big four, man, man, dwarf, elf, hobbit. Each of them starts out in a different part of Eriador, you know, whether it's the Breland or whether the Shire or Thorin's Hall up in Ered Lewin or the, uh, the, the 
the remnants of Linden over in Arid, near the Arid Loon as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all have their own sort of small, quaint little adventures that eventually all tie into a, we have, we, you know, we have a lot of sort of picaresque stories spread throughout the map as you go from place to place, but there's also uh, an epic story that runs as a through line through all of it uh, as your character advances uh, that involves, you know, at the outset when we first launched, we just launched with, with basically with Eriador, uh, and, and that was that was the Shadows of Angmar uh, title, the initial launch of the game. So that that story had to do with the with the the unspoken the untold story of what the Rangers were actually trying to protect everybody from, and the attempt by Sauron to 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 bring back the uh, the, the realm of Angmar to assist him in his war, and you know, and this is all the stuff that that conveniently is not mentioned in the books, uh, but that happened, you know, that we assume happened off camera, and your character was instrumental in dealing with that while the Fellowship was off doing its own thing. And then following that, that all sort of came to a head, uh, and that tale more or less ended uh, when we got to Eregion. And then we picked up a, a we picked up another tale through through Moria mm-hmm. and into Lorien, Mirkwood, and also through Dunland into Isengard. And then at a certain point, we we wound up at that point we were able to hook up more overtly with the Fellowship, or at least with the part of the Fellowship that uh, that wasn't traveling in secret, trying to do the big secret thing. You know, we didn't we we're not we didn't want to to, to, to have everybody tail Frodo. Yeah. Um, Nobody but, wants to tail Frodo, no. Yeah, but 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 we, you know, there's a lot more opportunity to hook up with 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 the Aragorn, Gandalf, yeah. other hobbits, all of them, uh, as we may move through Rohan and then through Gondor and and, and all the way to Mordor. Uh, and so the story at that point sort of was working in in whereas the first few couple couple portions of the story were much more. Uh, I don't want to say uh, they, were, they were at least separate, geographically separate from what the fellowship was doing. We were then following along with the fellowship on in the last stages of the War of the Ring, assisting them, uh, going on, going you know basically like fighting all the battles that they couldn't because they couldn't be everywhere at once, and also like defeating and you know facing enemies that we had been pulling through the uh, the story of our of our own creation. It's worth noting for those who maybe are less familiar with the Lord of the Rings Online is that the game did launch in 2007, it and it's did. now 2019. So we've had 12 years of active development on on world building and the landscape. And so, as such, uh, if, like it's a bit of a maybe marketing phrase, but when we say explore Middle Earth, I mean we really do take that pretty darn serious. Well, yeah, I mean, we, and there's a ton, ton, ton to see. Yeah, we've been we we, I, I, we just hit a big milestone where yeah. we uh, when we launched the Vales of Anduin, where I could, I could now say you can you know, with one with one one point when you actually have to teleport between between different different sections of the world, you can essentially walk the length of the River Anduin oh, wow. from the Carrick to the sea. Yeah, which it. like you know I never thought we'd get that far, but uh, but. Uh, but we, you know, so the, we, and as we add new sections to the game, we get to push the story forward. Now we're into the post, the aftermath of the War of the Ring. The Ring has actually gone in uh, to the fire, and Sauron has fallen, and now we get to play with what what happens next in the sort of uh, 
as the the, the age of men approaches and uh, and like you know the, the the remnants of Sauron's armies are all fighting one another for dominate for dominance of the scraps and uh, and other forces like you know stuff has happened in the east and there's we have we have all sorts of plans for for stuff in the future uh, um, that uh, you know we get to look at what's going on with the dwarves up in uh, up in Rovanian and uh, and 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 just recently getting all the getting you know bra- really bring the Bayornings into it and, uh, and, and you know continuing continuing to push the story forward into as as it as it as as things sort of move toward the fourth age well that that's great and it, it's it's interesting um being that you're the sort of the co- second company that i've interviewed how different companies sort of take different approaches and, and different uh, entry points into the world. Cubicle 7, um, you know, at least with their 5E stuff, uh, came about it the other way. They started in Wilderland, right? And yeah. And sort of yeah. worked, worked their way around the other way. Uh, but you mentioned Ariador, and you mentioned a few, how you kind of started in that general vicinity. And and those that's kind of where that was our entry point into the world. So the, the plot line for our story was that during the, meet- the last meeting of the White Council, one of the things that came up was that some Umbarian uh, pirates were coming up and uh, had stolen some artifacts from Linden. And it was, um, they tasked Gildor and Glorian, which is where we get the Inglorian Bastards title, um, with assembling people. And, and some of the wizards were involved with this as well. Um, and, and, you know, our, thankfully my, my players picked basically one of every race um, in Adventures in Middle-earth. And, and sort of they, they made their way from Bree um, up into... Um, uh, you know, they started at the last bridge and they headed north and essentially went to Gartha Garwin where they, they, they met some of the hill, hill people um, and encountered the, um, what was it, the Red Maiden? Right, okay, yeah. Naruhel, was that her name? Uh, yeah. Does that, yeah. that sound familiar? Yes, oh, very much so. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and eventually made their way up to sort of the island castle on Tolis Garden. Okay. Uh, yeah. am, am I pronouncing those correctly? Toluscarnum. Toluscarnum. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So um, there, a battle was fought with the characters that we called the Battle of Ru Limdal, which was uh, essentially the Battle of Wicked Secrets, um, where they they discovered that um, uh, there were more artifacts involved, and and that the Umbarians had were working essentially for the Shadow, and uh, so so that's kind of where our story started as well. And and, and these places that you mentioned. Um, were just instrumental to us. Um, Eridor's Arid, End. Uh, they they had to they had to decide between the bitter stairs and Eridor's End, and they they ended up sort of tra- you know trailing the Umbarian pirates through the mountains and um, yeah, don't climb stairs. Yeah, <laughs> no, no they're dragons, right? <laughs> there's, yeah, there's dragons there. So so yeah, I just wanted to mention those. Anything that you want to tell us about those places, or uh, anything to add about sort of Eridor? Well, I mean, uh, Garth Agar was an interesting thing because that that was that was literally born out of uh, out of uh, someone someone had an idea that we, we should do a we should do a red swamp and and I can't remember it was a it, it was a producer on the game I, I can't even tell you who at this point because uh, it was so many years ago um, and so that was you know, that that was one of our first real like pushes into stuff that really that Tolkien probably didn't consider putting a red swamp in the Lone Lands, let's be honest. Um, 
but it gave us an interesting uh, environment and and the possibility of bringing in a, 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 a river maiden who'd gone bad and uh, and and uh, to, and gave us sort of a a, a, a way to distinguish ourselves uh, distinguish our version of Middle Earth uh, early on and and you know the blood swamp turned out to be pretty uh, a pretty a pretty effectively creepy area. Um, it's a great idea. The, yeah. The, the, and, and, it, it definitely established a lot of stuff that we've moved forward with, particularly like the notion of there being of there being other river maidens, and some of them are friendly and some of them aren't. And uh, and you know we've 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 brought that uh, we we brought that down into to Gondar with the five sisters of Lebanon and uh, and into other parts of the the. the the, uh, the world as well. So, question about that, um, and then and we'll move on. Uh, I know you guys probably have to go soon, but the um, so you, you mentioned now that there are six races, and that you've expanded that over the years. Um, mm-hmm. wh- one of the things that we did for our campaign was sort of borrow, like you did with the River Maidens, borrow on Tolkien's lore, um, and I created a race called the Avathari, um, which were um, were creatures um, of uh, you know. So, if you think of Ungoliant, who came from Avathar over um, in Amman, right in the mountains, the shadowy region. The, the idea came to me that, you know, that Ungolian probably wasn't the only one around, right? Uh, right, yeah. And that there were probably other shadow creatures who were <laughs> probably weren't as far gone <laughs> as Ungolian, right, as in terms of, yeah. you know, um, evil and, and greatness. Um, and, and so is there any, any thought about um, opening some kind of, like, Avatari-like or River Maiden-like Maiar-type, um, you know, character race? It's it that uh, yeah, there's certain like there's certain issues of balance that that bringing like something Maya level into it. I mean, it, 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 even when we introduced the high elves, there was a lot of there was a lot of question like how are we going to make a high elf like not just the most awesome play, kind of character to play in the game. Uh, and and for something like Maiar, I I feel like that might be a little bit far to take it for uh, for yeah. for players uh, for, for for player characters. Agreed. It, it's it's like it's like trying to play uh, you know an Adventures in Middle Earth campaign with like like wizards, right? Like it yeah, just, yeah. just doesn't doesn't really work. <laughs> yeah, and but I mean I you know as an as an NPC thing, you know we we've, we've definitely done a bunch of like you know I'd say the equivalent. Maybe I'm not if, assuming I'm interpreting uh, your the authority correctly. Uh, you know, our nameless in the game are are you know they're they're sort of a a, a catch all of. of of creatures of great power and unknown origin, uh, that like the like the ones that gnaw the bones of the uh, of the earth that uh, that Gandalf sees uh, when he's uh, down and down when he, after he falls off the bridge of Fess of Doom. Um, so we have a we have a bit of that, and we have other other races like the Gorzul, who were servants of Sauron, uh, that you know basically the Black Numenorians that he pulled into his uh, like the like the the mouth of Sauron that he pulled into his power. Mm-hmm. Uh, Post Nazgul, um, but I, as far as as far as uh, I, I'd say, something like that would have some 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 definitely some yeah. gameplay difficulties. Also, if they're primarily an evil race, yeah, I was, see, that's, that's the point I was going to bring yeah. up. Is that although we do allow players to you know engage in that kind of gameplay in our PVMP side, yeah. for example, you can play as a warg and that kind of thing. Um, for the larger the PVE environment, your heroes, yeah, uh, and we we 
uh, do not generally have an alternate dark timeline or something. Like yeah, that. and I, I even for even for something like PVMP, I would be leery of adding mm -hmm. something like that to the to the uh, to the creep to the to the mod to the MP side of PVMP, just because yeah. it would throw the balance of all of that out of whack and make a lot of people upset, yeah. uh, justifiably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. Um, so, last question for you: um, Is there anything that you're excited about? Um, anything that Standing Stone is going to come out? Any new releases or anything that's recently come out that you could tell us about? Well, you heard uh, Chris talk about the Avails of Anduin, just uh, which got released within the last couple of months here, and that was a very uh, pretty uh, big effort on our part. To it was a big lot of content. Lot yeah. of, <laughs> I don't know what's the right word. Uh, we are turning our attention uh, later on this year to our next expansion. Uh, our previous expansion was the Mordor expansion, and that came out in, if I'm doing my math right, 2017? That sounds right. Um, and uh, so this will be our next big expansion, and we're going to Minas Morgul. Mm -hmm. oh, and fantastic. some related things, I think, as well. Yeah, like, we so, can't really talk a lot about that. No, but I'm content, super yeah. excited about it. But yes, we're doing, <laughs> we're doing all sorts of interesting story stuff uh, set out there, and just being able to flesh out. Flesh out. I mean, I'm right now back at my desk. I'm just just across the river from Minas Morgul, uh, doing some work uh, on stuff I can't tell you about over there. But uh, you know, just being able to. To, to flesh that out, we've really only seen Minas Morgul from a distance ever, uh, both in the books and the movies and in our game. We've seen it from, from you know, the other side of the uh, the bridge across the Morgul wing, but we've never really been inside before. So that, uh, that's fun. That's, that's fun to figure out. Uh, and it's fun because I built Minas Tirith. I was the one who built Minas Tirith back... Was that four years ago? I don't even remember anymore. Uh, and so to be able to do Minas Morgul now uh, to sort of bookend that, uh, actually, I'm literally, I think I have the bookends. Um, <laughs> that's that's been a lot of fun. And the, and you can we're going to be saying more about that later, probably late latest summer, I would think, yeah. something like that. Um, and you can find out more information about that by following us on social media. Yeah. And so, what would that be? How do we follow you? Oh, it'd be like twitter.com slash lotro, facebook.com slash lotro. No you can just go to L-O-T-R-O, lotro.com. Awesome. Well, guys, I want to thank you so much for, for taking the time to do this today. Good luck to everything, everything that you're working on. Great. Thank, thank you so you. much. All right. Though this marks the end of the episode, the road goes ever on. Until next time, join us at longwinded.one and consider giving us a review on Apple Music, Spotify, or really whichever platform you choose.